you can see this uh, red scarf that I'm wearing around my neck. This scarf was given to me by a Sufi mystic when I was in Kashmir. And uh, I remember that when I was in his presence, I felt a sense of calm. There was, you know, as they say in Urdu, there was a noor or glow on his face. And somehow, even without knowing anything about that person, it was clear that I just want to be like this. Because there was something about his presence that was extremely captivating. There was so much love radiating from that place. It's the same kind of love that we experience when we hug a small child. There was pure innocence. And then I proceeded to ask him a question. And my question to him was that why is there so much violence in the world? Why is there so much hatred in the world? How can man become so corrupt, so evil that he is ready, ready to kill his brother? That he is ready to commit the greatest act of evil? What is it? Why does this happen? And his answer was quite a surprise to me because I never looked at it from that perspective. His answer was that you see this world only with the consciousness that you are carrying. So if you are in a consciousness that is dense, where you're constantly surrounded by thoughts of war, evil, hatred, malice, jealousy, then that is what is projected into the outer world. So the dysfunction in the external world may appear to be a large thing, a big thing, but it is not much different from the dysfunction that we carry within. So he said it in a very, very loving manner. He said that just change your perspective and see the magic happening right before your eyes. And that is what we are going to talk about today. That magic is love. Love, the most used and the most abused word in the world. We generally identify love with a feeling. So the love that we feel for another human being, we limit it to appearances, to a sensation that arises in the body. And then we come to the conclusion that that is all there is to it. That is all there is to love. But if one goes deeper within, there are dimensions in which there opens a space, a space of great presence, a space of radiance where nothing else exists apart from this love. 
Now, this is not just a theory or a belief. This has to be a lived experience. And for a very long time, I have had discussions, intellectual discussions with masters. But that space of heartfulness, we cannot reach from the intellect. So when I say the word God, I don't mean a separate entity in manifestation that is all powerful and sitting up somewhere in the high heavens and pronouncing judgment on their fellow beings, on the children. The idea of God is this consciousness that animates the entire reality. And when the masters say that consciousness is all there is, that has to be one's living experience. It is not a matter of hypnotizing yourself by repeating a mantra or by chanting or by performing performing hours after hours of meditation. Because too much effort can lead to self-deception. Where is the space of heart comes about when there is actually no effort. When one is completely at rest, when the flow of thoughts is not there, then what opens up is the sensation of being. The being, which is the essence of all. The being, which is behind all appearances. So there is no denial of the world. There is no denial of phenomenality, but it is understood that behind all the appearances is the same energy that powers each and every being. And Ramesh Balsekar used to explain this very beautifully. He said that just like electricity brings into function all the gadgets, gadgets that are designed to do their particular function. It enables those gadgets to do the function. Even if the gadget breaks down, nothing happens to the energy. So the heart space is not a separate space, but it is a subtle aspect of consciousness. It is the subtle energy. And it was clear to me that just by intellectually trying to understand things, by reading the scriptures, by reading the books or listening to talks, this will not, this will not be made manifest. It is simply the understanding that consciousness is all there is. And the functioning that happens is not done by any individual. But everything happens as per God's will. That is the only thing which brought the mind to rest. And once the mind is at rest, then it becomes easy for one to transition from the space of mindfulness to that space of heartfulness. And why is it important? It is important because the heart enables us to sense things. 
qualitatively. While science can show us great things, but it is eventually a reduction. It cannot describe the quality of feeling when we see the blue sky. It cannot describe the feeling that we experience in our hearts when we embrace a child. Yes, it can measure our brain waves and detect in how much bliss we are, but it is a reduction. It is not as experiencing it. Therefore, the infinite cannot be known objectively. Every, any attempt to know the infinite will be a reduction. The only way to experience infinite is to awaken the heart. And the energy of the heart is the non-discriminating energy. It is the mind that is discriminating, but the heart does not discriminate. And when I was sitting with the Sufi mystic, what I experienced was that while he was speaking, there were gaps. And in those gaps, there was great wisdom. He was speaking slowly. His eyes were fixated with me and I could look into his eyes directly. And when there was silence and we were looking into each other's eyes, I could sense a transmission, a feeling of love. Now, a very common question is that, how does one reach the God consciousness? How does one reach the beloved? And what the masters say is that, it is not you who's trying to reach the beloved. The beloved is already trying to reach you. Every minute, every second, this whole experience of aliveness is a grace. The beloved is always trying to reach you. There are, there are numerous pointers happening in our lives. Sometimes they manifest as pleasure. Sometimes they manifest as pain. Sometimes they come about as suffering. But each pointer is leading to the same destination, whether you want it or not. As you know, as they say that the destiny of the wave is not to become a bigger wave, not to become a stronger wave. The destiny of the wave is to merge with the ocean. Because wave, no matter how big, how strong, how powerful it becomes, by the nature of its limitations, will always suffer. Only when the wave merges with the ocean, does it realize that that bliss, that space of heart is always available? You know, I, I see it in this way, that the sun is always shining bright. Then the clouds of darkness cover the sunlight. And then we feel despair. And we don't want that to happen. You know, we, we, we feel depressed. We feel that this should finish. This is suffering. This is bad. But you see, even the dark clouds get illuminated by the sun. So without the sun, even you would not know the dark clouds. And there's nothing to be done other than allowing the clouds to disappear. 
and then the sun sh shines bright. So the clouds is like thoughts popping in here and there. And we identify with the thoughts. Identification with the thoughts become thinking. And thinking becomes suffering in horizontal time. But once a glimpse of the sun is seen, but once you know that there is sun, which is there, then no matter how dark the clouds are, no matter how tough it feels, how difficult it feels in the moment, they pass. There is always an awareness that I am not the clouds, I am the sun. So that changes our attitude to life. It brings about authenticity. And whatever comes then, it comes from the heart. It does not come from the manipulated thinking, you know, which which constantly thinks as to how can I impress people? What good words can I use? Everything simply radiates from the heart. The problem is that most of us, our relationship with our own thinking is a lot disconnected. And especially in this day and age where the information is thrown around all the time, our smartphones, gadgets, there's notifications. Human brain is not designed to handle so much information. The technology is obviously it has created a very mind-boggling situation. Although it is wonderful, it has brought us so much conveniences, but at the same time, there is too much information. And then there are these search engines that manipulate the information based on a user's perspective. So it is very easy to get caught and get trapped into a rabbit hole of thinking. So a lot of our consumption becomes unconscious. And in that, we disconnect with our heart space. And then the natural outcome is that there is, there are these emotions, this anxiety, this restlessness, and our default training is to simply avoid this. That is what the natural programming has been. Just avoid it. But what happens when we don't put up a resistance, when we simply allow everything to be the way it is? You know, sometimes the emotions can be so overwhelming that one does feel scared that it may break the body. But that energy cannot break you. If, you, if the awareness is there, that energy will not break you. Of course, if it is way beyond your capacity and it is completely hijacked, the rational part of the brain, then, then you need a professional help. Then it is a different domain altogether. But when one has awareness, then you see that everything just comes in awareness, plays and then vanishes. And the more resistance we put to the content of our consciousness, to any uncomfortable or reflecting feeling, the stronger it becomes. And since we don't want to feel, we push it down. 
the more we put push it down the more discomfort it creates but when there is awareness and these feelings thoughts sensations are seen for what they are then there is never a need to push anything down or to stop anything you know ramana maharishi said that if a thought knocks at your door you have the choice to reject it you can say that this is a negative thought i don't want it go away but if the thought is too strong and it pushes itself inside then what what does one do then he says just do nothing let it do whatever it wants to do eventually the root of every thought is the ego the sense of personal identification when the ego is seen for the illusion it is no thought gets propagated in horizontal time as suffering the pain in the moment may still happen even after awakening to the heart space the emotions come up as before the only difference is that everything is seen in pristine clarity so if the sadness comes up it is seen and there is a beauty to that sadness if happiness comes up it is seen exactly the way it is so there is no attempt by the ego mind to manipulate or control anything so there is a sense of ease or restless uh, restfulness in this heart space you know there is a there's a story a villager was uh taking his cow he brought a new cow he purchased it from another owner and he was taking that cow through the fields but the cow was um extremely restless so he was having a great difficulty to pull the cow he had tied the cow to with a rope and he was pulling the cow so there was a small monastery where a group of students were being taught by a master the master comes up and says today we are going to have a live lesson so he approaches that villager and then he asks his student now tell me who is pulling whom is the man pulling the cow or is the cow pulling the man so everybody said obviously it is the man who is pulling the cow and the cow is resisting so the master what he did was he just cut the rope and the cow ran in the opposite direction and then the man frantically ran after the cow and then he said now tell me who is running after whom a majority of us we are not aware of our relationship with our own thoughts and you know the other day i was speaking to someone in the uk and that lady was uh, and that lady asked me that that why can't i get this uh, awakening into this heart space why am i um, i'm so, she had a lot of anxiety so she was, so she said that i have a lot of anxiety i just cannot get out of this what what do i do and my response was that i think it is a great gift that you can see that you have anxiety even to know that you you know even to know that that these sensations are there is a gift because a majority of people don't even know that they have anxiety 
they just keep operating in the default mode, just running from one task to another. Just doing the usual chores, the routine. And then there is a lot of anger, outbursts of anger. There's a lot of resentment. There's a lot of cynicism. But it's very difficult to see oneself that way. So I feel that that is also a blessing. And if that power has brought you here and you have seen it, that this is happening, then at some point, that power will bring you to the heart space as well. The more effort we put to be in the heart space, to keep the mind vigilantly fixated on one thought is actually going to make the mind more restless. Because the mind does not like control. The more you try to control the mind, the more it retaliates. But when you leave things simply the way they are, slowly an understanding comes about. And the understanding is that everything happens through cosmic law. Some people don't like to use the word God's will. So I put it in a different way. I say cosmic law, if that suits. <laughs> but the thing is that the individual cannot know the cosmic law. It cannot assume what is the cosmic law. So what the masters say is that you are to operate in your daily living with whatever knowledge you have up to this moment, leaving behind the idea of right and wrong. What you think is right, you do. And what you think is not right, you don't do. But if you sit and start thinking about righteousness and wrong, then the mind will always be caught. And there is a beautiful quote by Rumi. He says, Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there when the soul lies down in that grass. The world is too full to talk about. So it is not that the mind will keep thinking and thinking and thinking then and abruptly the awakening will happen because of thinking. Thinking is something that simply happens. But the transition or transformation to the heart space happens when there is simply no mental activity. Now, thinking works beautifully in the world. If you have to build a bridge, you do thinking. It'll work beautifully over there. But when it comes to self-knowledge, then thinking or vichara is just a process that happens. But the awakening comes with the grace. But again, you cannot assume how the awakening will come. Therefore, never abandon your practices. Whatever you do, be it meditation, or yoga, or prayer. Because you cannot know how and which method will lead you to the heart space. And this is the reason why Ramana Maharishi never discouraged anybody from their practices. He never claimed that there is a superior practice and that people should abandon this practice and do that practice. 
whoever came to him in his ashram to visit him, to seek his blessings, if they said that I chant mantra of a particular deity, he would say, okay, continue doing that. There is no superior or inferior method and there is no one method to be in the heart space. You discover your own method through your own lived experience. Each one of us. Our transition to that heart space, the process of it is going to be different for each one of us. Therefore, assuming that a certain thing will not help, that, that a certain thing will, that I should stop praying or stop meditating, that's not what I'm trying to say here. Do whatever you want to do in the given moment. And this brings me to another quote from Rumi, which says, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. As I said, it is not that we are reaching the beloved. The beloved is already here and now. It is just that our thinking has created certain barriers. And the grace is already there. So we don't even have to decondition. We just have to see the conditioning. Only seeing the conditioning frees, frees the mind from it. And in that, now I imagine it in this way. That the ego, after having thought about it, after putting a lot of vichar, after putting a lot of thinking into the nature of life, comes to a conclusion that I cannot crack this code. So, you know, it, it surrenders. And in that surrender, there is not even a single thought. The ego never says in that, that I surrender. It is simply the quieting of the mind. And then immediately the heart is revealed. If the mind says, even a single word, if, if even a single thought comes up, that creates a separation. Because thought by nature is divisive. So the heart space is not about thinking. It is simply, simply about feeling this bare experience, this experience of pure awareness. That is one's nature. It is only the mind that discriminates. It is not the heart that ever discriminates. And the more we tap into the heart space, what we realize is, uh, what we realize is that we start, there comes about a dispassion from the things of the world, a natural dispassion, not a forced one. And in that, there is a sense of great humility great compassion, which is followed by service. It is not possible without humility, the humility to simply listen. Of course, one can think about it later on, but to be completely receptive, to be totally attentive to what is being said, that is humility. And that eventually leads to compassion. You know, I, I remember a story which I read in uh, Robert Adams' book. So, they, you know, he, this, uh, this young fellow comes up to his house and he says that, um, Guruji, initiate me. I want initiation. 
and robert adam was a he was an advaita teacher non duality teacher so he said no no i we, we don't do do it like that there is no initiator and there is no one to initiate so it's not done like this but the the young fellow was hell bent he said no 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 you have to initiate me and uh, then he told that you know he's met uh, robert um, he's listened to robert's discourses and he has come all the way from india to us for the initiation and uh, he would just he you know he held uh, robert's feet and he would just not leave so robert said he, he kept one hand left hand on his head and right hand on his chest and he said in the name of advaita vedanta i initiate you to the pure awareness <laughs> and and he said that first time i saw a hair raising in a man as if a surge of electricity had passed through him and he was so content and he went back and he after that he never met robert so the idea was that there was compassion in that it's not necessary that the others have to see things the way we see once we understand that the being which operates behind appearances is the same energy even if other person has a different point of view one can live peacefully with that even with that so that ends the conflict because there is no discriminating mind in the heart space or conflict the conflict is only brought about by thought and as i said while it works beautifully in the world in the material world when it comes to self knowledge thought has thought is limited and anything which is limited cannot reach wholeness wholeness is your very nature just wake up to it right here right now and ramana maharishi said it very beautifully he says that your job is not to be this or that your job is simply to be and discover love in that being the unconditional love that does not discriminate let's spend a couple of minutes in meditation we are not going to call it meditation let's just call it silence let's spend a couple of minutes in silence there is no particular way you don't have to close your eyes if you don't want to you can sit on your chairs and just relax yourself just start with the breath let the breath bring into synchronization your mind and body feel the inhalation and exhalation the inhalations are cool and exhalations are warm if there is stress in any part of the body pay attention to it let the awareness be there and let the breath flow into that region
allow for all sensations. Don't reject anything. Don't pay attention to anything. Let it arise, let it play and let it go away. If a thought diverts your mind, that's okay. Just bring your attention back to here gently. We are not putting any resistance to anything. Allow yourself to go deep. Use the breath to go deep. Don't force anything. Let it be natural.
feel this expansion in your heart. This is the presence. This is the pure being. This is the place of deep restfulness. Allow this space to expand. And soon you will discover that it is infinite. Our suffering comes from identification with the limited. While the true nature is unlimited, being, consciousness, bliss. Just be in this space for a couple of minutes. You may open your eyes now.
Okay, we can take up some questions now or if anybody wants to share anything. You can raise your hand and I will unmute you. Yes, Ravikant. Oh. Namaste, Jukjur. Hello. Um, one of the things that was uh, kind of like mentioned by, you know, one of the Advaita teachers uh, that I often listen to, um, he said, like, every question will take you away from you, so I don't encourage you to ask questions, is how he puts it. Sorry, um, Ravi, can you, can you be a little more loud? I couldn't hear you. Can you hear me better now? Yes, yes. Got it. So the question was, uh, one of the Advaita teachers that I listened to earlier, uh, I often listen to him even now, um, he said something like, every question will take you away from who you are, or from the truth. Uh, so he would rather discourage asking questions. Um, yeah, and so I, I see this, like I see some teachers encouraging questions. I see others discouraging. And then I, I also heard Dolan, um, she's from Pune, Pada Hosho, and she asked, she encourages people to ask questions and then she dismisses them as like stupid question or silly question, of course, after <laughs> answering it compassionately. So there are right. three different dynamics that I have observed. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Well, you know, I feel that every teacher has their own method or has their own way of conducting things. And I don't see any problem with that. I believe it is all okay as long as uh, I feel that communication, you know, whatever is happening intellectually, even the questions, that should not be discounted because before awakening to the heart space, it is the intellectual understanding that precedes it. And uh, of course, it is true that questions do not lead to anything because question itself is a thought. And the moment thought is introduced, there comes a separation. There comes a thinker. And when the thinker is there, then automatically that distance, that separation comes about. But that said, um, what I do is, what I do here is that it's not just questions. I feel that even if something we feel like sharing with one another, like anything, you know, everything is an expression of the source itself. So all the questions are also coming from the source. So yes, some teachers may have that kind of, uh, you know, uh, conduct. And there's nothing wrong in that. I don't see any uh, problem in that. But um, I don't consider myself to be a teacher. So I'm here for your companionship. And this companionship, this friendship means more to me than these labelings of guru and disciple. There is no guru here. There is no disciple here. There is simply the company, your companionship. And this is where we discover love. This is what it is all about. So I feel that even not asking questions, one can still get hung up on thinking. There can be a thought of not having questions. You're getting me? Mm -hmm. That can also come up as a thought. So I believe whatever comes up in the moment, let allow for it. Let it be there. If someone wants to be silent, that's fine. If someone wants to speak something, that is fine. And I personally do not follow any uh, philosophy, you know, any hard and fast method of any philosophy because I have dabbled in different, uh, with different teachings and 
the teaching itself becomes limited at some point. So I believe that one of the ways to be compassionate is to allow a space to share with one another. I share a lot on my YouTube channel, all my personal failures, my journeys, everything. So I hope that. Yes, it does. Thank you. Yes. Hello. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh, Your good name is Sambat, right? Sambat. Yeah. Sambat. First first of all, I want to thank you for this Zoom call. It was kind of helpful. You've brought a lot of information, really wise information, which really touched my heart. Thank you for that. So at some point you said something that it's really important just to notice the boundaries and it's not really necessary to decode them, right? Uh, yes, in a sense that, of course, the decoding may happen. There may be an attempt from the individual to decode things. But the thing is that to know something, to know something completely in its entirety, there has to be total vision. The yes. masters talk about total vision. And total vision means not seeing things through a biased perspective, but simply being aware to all sensations, the content which is producing all sensations. So yes, that's what I meant when I said that. Okay. Okay. So pretty much you mean that through uh, awareness, through observing the content, we're transcending the boundaries. Of course, the boundaries itself become weak because when you see it, when you rest more and more in your heart space, all those identifications, because of which the conditioning came, those identifications lose their hold on you. Okay. The identifications is you. So it is not about completely letting go of the identifications because you cannot live without that. To live, you need identifications. The only thing is, when we grasp something, right? We create a tension. So it's all about just loosening your hold on things. So taking our identities too seriously. I am so-and-so person. My relationships are like this. Such and such events are happening in my life. I should be financially more secure. My children should be more loving towards me. My relationships should be more fulfilling. All those things, you see, all those, all that thinking, when it is seen in total attention, when you don't discriminate between any thought, when you don't label any thought as good or bad or desirable or undesirable, when you don't try to be indifferent to thought, it is then that this total vision comes about, which in uh, which traditionally Advaita masters describe as the witnessing. And in witnessing, there is no individual that is witnessing anything, but things are seen in the light of impersonal awareness of I am. That is the whole point. So when things are seen repeatedly, when you rest in that heartfulness space, your identifications loosen. And when your identification loosens, automatically the deconditioning takes place without without you trying to forcefully do anything. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for that explanation. You're welcome. Okay. Any more questions from anybody? How many can one ask? I can ask one more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I will conclude this session with a small poem. And uh, I feel this poem, uh, you can also get uh, read this poem on my website, jagjotsingh.com. If you go to the writing section, you can read this poem. These are my thoughts which I penned down yesterday morning. And uh, I would just like to read this to you. 
and then we'll conclude the session. And the title of the poem is, I see God's love everywhere. When the dark clouds descend, I see comfort in words. Ignorant ones seek imperfection in perfection. Where is the love that we mortals seek to be found? What I truly desire, I cannot find apart from you anywhere. Now I see God's love everywhere. I thought I was small and insignificant. The poison of doubt clouded my mind. While you showed love beyond measure, I frantically looked for you here and there. Now I see God's love everywhere. The little me foolishly assumes that you live afar, that your world is separate from mine. I thought that your ears were deaf to the perils of humanity. Forgive me, O Lord, for I failed to see your great wisdom in suffering that is always here. Now I see God's love everywhere. What a blessing it is to be awake and alive. What a fool I have been to deny your glory. You still held my hand and walked me through the path of life. How come you're always there? Now I see God's love everywhere. Thank you for lighting the lamp of love in my heart. May the light of the beloved reach all. May all be awake to your glory and eternal grace. No one is left out in your dominion. Your kingdom is right here. Now I see God's love everywhere. Thank you all for joining. It's been wonderful to be in your company.